Thank you once again, Lord, for all that you did. Jesus told Paul that his strength is made perfect in weakness. It's comforting this morning because I feel particularly weak. The title of the message is Be Strong. Be Strong. If you were to look in Numbers chapter 13, you'd see the account of the 12 spies who went to spy out the land. God had, through many signs and wonders, brought His people out of bondage in Egypt. I mean, just completely blew Egypt apart. Decimated them every way you can think about. He did it in the most amazing way possible. And now He's put them to the edge of this land that He's promised them, a good land, and they send spies out and they're going to go look. And they look, take over a month looking through, spying out the land, 40 days. And they come back and they give a report that says, it's a great land. Everything the Lord said it would be, it's there. It took two men to carry one cluster of grapes. It was so rich and uh, plentiful. They came in Numbers 13 and said, Nevertheless, in our language, but. But, the people be strong that dwell on the land. The cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Those were giants. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Caleb stilled the people. He was one of the twelve spies. Stilled the people and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Good advice. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land. <clears throat> After listening to this evil report, next chapter, the congregation, this whole collective of people, 600,000 fighting men plus women and children, lifted up their voices and cried. And they wept that night. And they murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we'd have died in the wilderness? But in our language, it would have been better if we'd just gone ahead and died in the wilderness. It would have been better if the Lord had just killed us over in Egypt rather than to come this far. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt where they've been in bondage for several hundred years and crying unto the Lord to deliver them, wouldn't it be better just to go back? Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, these are the two faithful spies, which were with them that searched the land, they rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bread for us, Remember the expression, I'm going to eat you for breakfast? 
<laughs> Same concept. They're just bread. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Good speech. But, all the congregation said, okay, we'll believe you. No. They said, stone them. And they'd stone them with stones. And the Lord is going to hand down the judgment against them of, okay, you think it's better to die in the wilderness? Done. All of you who murmured, except for these two faithful spies, Caleb and Joshua, you're all going to die in the wilderness. And your children, who you said would be prey to the enemy, they're going to be the ones who go in. This was a very blessed generation. They had seen firsthand glimpses of the might of the Lord's arm. How strong he was, how there was nothing he couldn't do. They were blessed. Out of their deepest afflictions, they called on the Lord. He came and he delivered them. They were blessed. But this blessed generation is completely lost because of fear. They would die in the wilderness. It was a wasted generation. So if you fast forward to Deuteronomy, after the period in the wilderness, when all those that were alive, except for Caleb and Joshua and Moses at this point, have died off. Now Moses is going to be speaking to the next generation. You have a strong, faithful leader giving words to the next generation. So this is Deuteronomy 11, and 7 and 8. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which He did. They were children, but they'd seen. Therefore, Shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong, and go in and possess the land whither ye go to possess it, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give them. Keep the commandments that you may be strong. Good advice from one generation to give to the next. This solid, faithful leader is given this advice, command rather, keep the commandments that you may be strong. Now, that word strong literally translates to to fasten upon, to seize. Figuratively, it means to be courageous. But what are you fastening upon? On. Your own self, your own strength, you're seizing, you're fastening upon to the Lord. And if you want to walk and be fastened to the Lord, you have to do His commandments. Fast forward again to the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 31. As with most lessons in Scripture, it's repeated. 
Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Again, this is Moses speaking to this next generation. Speaking to the people as a whole. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, enemies of the land. For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong, fasten to the Lord. Of good courage. Courage there means alert. Steadfast. Attentive. Be strong. Be of good courage. Not fearing or afraid. And that word afraid means like awe or dread. To be harassed in your mind. Most most of these things are really talking about your attitude. Your mental state. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the Lord? Are you steadfast in your resolve to focus on Him? Are you in awe and dread of what you see before you? The scary things of the world. Not fearing, not afraid, not in awe or dread. And He gives the reason why. You're not afraid for them for. That's the reason. It's the explanation. You can say because. For the Lord thy God. Not just a God. Thy God. Possess it. He's yours. For thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. You're not alone. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now immediately after this, Moses is going to turn to Joshua. The man who's been tasked with being the next leader. I would not want to have been Joshua. I mean, can you imagine being the one who's responsible for taking this whole mass of people and following in Moses' shoes? Right? Now Moses wasn't anything special. He was just a man. But the Lord used him miraculously over and over and over again. And you, Joshua, you gave a suggestion to Moses about getting some folks in trouble when they were prophesying out in the, the uh, um, congregation when they didn't come like they were told, and Moses rebuked you. You don't see much else about Joshua other than the fact that he gave the faithful report. You don't see him doing miracles before this. So, from one leader to the next leader, he's going to give him some encouragement. He called Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel. So publicly, he's telling him, Be strong and of good courage. Sound familiar? For thou must go with this people unto the land which the fathers have sworn, which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. You've got a task to perform. You've got to go with them. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Okay? Not failing, not forsaking. It's the same advice, right? One leader to the people as a whole, one leader to the next leader. 
Same advice. Be strong and of good courage. The Lord's not going to fail thee or forsake thee. Well, that fail, that means uh, to have his grip slacken, to abate, to draw back, to wax feeble, be idle. So you can think about this, the Lord not helping you by degrees, you know, in part. As opposed to forsaking, which means to loosen, to relinquish, to leave, to abandon, letting it go as a whole. The Lord is not going to let you go altogether or by a little bit. He goes with you. Fear not, neither be dismayed. This dismayed means uh, to be discouraged, to be brought to be broken down, to be brought to confusion. Okay. Fast forward a little bit. Joshua, after Moses' death, you're now the point man. You've been encouraged by Moses before he died. Now he's going to be encouraged by the word of the Lord directly. Joshua chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, saying, and we're just going to jump down to where he says, starting in verse, I think verse 5. This is the Lord speaking. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance of the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Be strong and courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever Thou goest. Be strong and courageous that you may be able to keep the law, to keep the commandments. Don't turn from Him. Not to the right, not to the left. Have His Word meditating on it day and night. That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And we talked a little bit Wednesday night about what does it mean to prosper? What does it mean to success? What does it mean to be successful? To better oneself. This word prosper literally translates to be circumspect, which means to be intelligent. Meditating day and night on the word of the Lord and trying to follow his path, not to the left or to the right, but straight down. You'll prosper. You will gain intelligence, wisdom. Now later, the verse beneath it, then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, Different word. This one means to push forward. Gives me the mental image of someone taking uh, a plow across 
ground that's never been broken before? Are you making progress? Are you pushing forward down the path that the Lord has given you? Be strong and of good courage. So the word of the Lord, here the Lord speaking directly to Joshua. But it's His words that are encouraging Him. You have the word of the Lord available to you to encourage you to be strong, to seize the Lord, to be fastened upon Him, to be courageous, to be alert and circumspect. Not going through this life like you're in a fog or a haze, distracted, but focused. A good soldier of the cross. That's probably pretty good encouragement for Joshua to receive that day when Moses is now dead. And you can imagine there had to have been some fear, some trepidation. And the word of the Lord came for him to not be afraid. Because the Lord, thy God, your God, Joshua, your God, individually, is with you and go with you. Do you know what happened after that? The people encouraged their young leader. It's the end of the chapter, verse 16. It's Joshua, uh, the people answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commanded us, we will do. Whether thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doeth that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that he and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. They're repeating the same message that the Lord gave to Joshua. Be strong and of a good courage. We're following. Be encouraged. So this is a good thing to encourage your young pastor. This is a good thing to encourage your husbands, sisters, children to your fathers, children to your mothers, wives to husbands. Just because you're not on the top of the totem pole doesn't mean the person above doesn't need encouragement. You can encourage them in the Word to be strong, to be of good courage, to fear not. Later, in Joshua chapter 10, as we're going through the land, Joshua, as the leader here, will take a teachable moment. There's a group of kings who got together and decided they were going to whoop up on this invading army and didn't go so well for them. And so in Joshua 10, 24, uh, he's going to bring these kings out to Joshua. And Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains of war, Come, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came and put their feet upon the necks of them. That's a pretty pretty good visual symbol of you've been beaten. Right? You've conquered these folks. You've got your foot on the back of their neck. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. Okay? Now they had a literal, literal mandate to go fight, to go take that land. Kill all the inhabitants. That was what God had done. He's using them to pass judgment upon the original inhabitants of Canaan. Okay? You do not have a literal mandate to go fight and kill people. You don't. You have a different battle. Your battle is explained in Ephesians chapter 6 is a spiritual warfare. It's in the context of the armor of God. We're all familiar with that. 
Put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, 11, 12, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If we were wrestling against flesh and blood, okay, grab your guns and pitchforks, go. That's not the command. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You have spiritual warfare. That's what you're battling against. Those are the enemies that you can take this message here in Joshua and say, the Lord's going to defeat all of those. He's with you in all of those. In Romans chapter 12, he made a promise, the Lord did, that he would deal with the humans. The vengeance is mine. Romans 12, starting verse 17, it says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Someone has been evil against you, you don't return evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Let the wrath go. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So if you hear anyone trying to rally Christians to conquer and to rule and to take over, that's not from coming from the Lord. It's not. Unless you're conquering, it's going to be conquering with good. And repaying every evil and slight with good. That's what we're called to do. And the Lord says, vengeance is mine. So, His enemies... All those that he didn't choose, the non-elect. The Lord's going to take care of it. They're described as being the enemies of the cross of Christ. But it's not your battle to fight. Your job is to stand fast, to fight your spiritual warfare, not to wage war against the flesh and blood. All right. Let's go back to the Old Testament and look at a few more examples. In 1 Samuel chapter 4 and in verse 9, fast-forwarding through the period of the judges and getting into the time of uh, one of the last judges, or right before it. Israel was going to go to battle against the Philistines. They had been whooped the first time, and so they thought, we need something, you know, give us an edge. And so they took the ark out of the tabernacle, and they brought it down to the battlefield. And when the ark came into town, everybody was so excited, like, woo! They're hollering. And the Philistines heard it, and they knew what happened, and they said, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Nothing like this has ever happened before. How are we going to defeat these jokers? And then listen to what the Philistines. These are the bad guys, right? This is what they say. Verse 9. This is 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 9. Be strong, quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been unto you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. Okay? Being strong and quitting yourself like men. Well, we don't use the language to quit commonly. Here, it doesn't mean stopping. Don't stop being a man. It means to exist as a man. To be a man. To act manly. And, and it's funny about this Hebrew word man. 
in the Strong's, it says, this is distinguished from the other one that's translated human because that one's more dignified. This is a less dignified word. This is more associated with like a tradesman, a herdsman, a cattleman, a man who gets things done, who accomplishes things with labor. He's used to putting in the effort and getting there. All right? It's compounded with a trade often. Okay, Be strong. Quit yourselves like men. Now you be saying... Brother John, I don't know if the Philistines are probably the best example for us to follow. You know, aren't they kind of relying on themselves? Apostle Paul would use a similar expression over in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He's closing out this letter to a church that's got a lot of problems. He's telling them how to address it. And so at the very end of verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, he says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. And 14 says, let all your things be done with charity. Watch, be alert, be circumcised, stand fast, don't be thrown off by whatever's going on. Stand fast for the word, quit yourselves like men. Be manly, even in the hard situations. Approach it with boldness and conviction rather than fear and trepidation. Be strong. Be fastened to the Lord. And let all your things be done with charity. Okay? Let's go back to the Old Testament and look at 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 22. King David is now old. And he's going to be giving advice to the next generation. His next leader, Solomon, who the Lord told him would build the temple. First Chronicles 22. Starting verse 7. David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was of my mind to build a house in the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly. Thou hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born unto them, unto thee, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. His name shall be Solomon, which means peaceable. And I will give him peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build me a house for my name. He shall be my son. I will be his father. I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now my son, David talking to Solomon here, the Lord be with thee, prosper thee, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he has said. 12. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding, and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. May the Lord give you wisdom and understanding, that you may be able to keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper. Move forward. Then shall you prosper. If thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel, be strong, fasten to the Lord. Of good courage, dread not, nor be dismayed. Dread, the same word used for fear in other places. And again, this dismayed means to be broken down, to be made prostrate, either by fear or by violence or confusion. Don't be 
dismayed. So this is good godly counsel from a father to a son, from an old leader whose time is passing to a young leader. Not everyone has the privilege of that, and you can see that uh, in back in 1 Samuel chapter 30, but we don't know much about uh, David's relationship with Jesse. It may just have been that David wasn't near him, um, and so he was not in a position to give advice and counsel the same way that David could give to Solomon. But David was often on his own with many enemies who wanted to kill him. And it was long, hard years between being anointed and being made king, and then being made king not only over Judah, but over all of Israel. It wasn't just a wasn't a stone and then, whew, right? No, there was a lot more that went into it. But in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, one of the worst times he's gone back to the town where he's staying in, where all his men, their wives and children have all been kidnapped. Every single one. The men who were understandably upset, they were talking about taking out their feelings on David and stoning him. David, also a little upset. His wives and kids are gone too. He had two wives who had been taken captive. Verse 6 says, He was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know what that word encourage means? To fasten upon, to seize, to be strong. Rather than looking at the misery of the situation, he focused on the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. So, maybe you don't have someone giving you a pep talk. You can still encourage yourself in the Lord. All right. So later in First Chronicles, we talked about things being repeated. Before David would uh, pass away, he'd, he'd repeat his message to Solomon again. First Chronicles 28, verse 20. David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Do what? Build the Lord's house. See you last week's sermon. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. The Lord has a service in mind for each of you. And He won't leave you or forsake you and you won't get one second of early parole, He's going to keep you here until you've finished His work. But not only that, in verse 21 He says, You're not alone. Behold the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house, and there shall be with thee all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful man, for all manner of service, also the princes, and all the people will be holy at thy commandment. The Lord didn't put us here in isolation. There are those that we are to be working with, to be encouraging, to be serving the Lord in unison. One mind and one accord, right? All right, fast forward a couple hundred years. Second Chronicles chapter 25. We're going to jump down to about the tenth king after David. Maybe the ninth king after David. Anyway, you can count it up when you read through Chronicles. Amaziah is his name. Amaziah said that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Chapter 25, verse 2. So it says that. 
He took it in his head that he was going to go fight against Edom. These are the descendants of Esau, right? Mount Seir, where their capital, main city, main landmark is. And so he gathers together all Judah, because the nation split at this time. You got Judah to the south and Israel to the north. Israel to the north is just in gross idolatry. Judah less so at this point. So he's got 300,000 men. He says, yeah, that's probably not enough guys to go fight Edom. I'm going to hire some folks from up north. I'm going to pay 100 talents in order to have 100,000 men come and be mercenaries for me. That goes back to that talent um, message from last week about the 10 talents. So if 100 will buy you 100,000 men, you get the idea of how much value that Lord was trusting with those servants. Okay. So he's hired 100,000 men to come down for talents of, of silver. Okay. And the Lord sends him a prophet. This is verse 7. And there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee, for the Lord is not with Israel, to wit with all the children of Ephraim. He's not with them, because they had abandoned him long ago. They had been worshiping golden cows pretty much since the nations broke. But if thou wilt go, this is a warning, verse 8. But if thou wilt go, do it. Be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy, for God hath power to help and to cast down. Okay? This is a different kind of be strong, right? He's saying if you're going to go down this path, the one that the Lord does not approve of, that he's not with you on, you better be strong for the battle, but don't be surprised if you're going to get whooped. Because the Lord is not with you. Do not expect the Lord to prosper your plans, schemes, when you're not putting the Lord first, when you're not seeking Him, when you're not doing the things that please and glorify Him. You can try. You can spin your wheels. Be strong. It'll cause thee to fall. Why? Because he's going to turn you back to him. Now Amaziah said unto the man of God, but I've already spent a hundred talents of silver. What am I going to do about those? And the man of God said, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. So what's the lesson in this? It's never too late to turn around. Even if you're invested and it's the wrong thing, Stop! Turn around. The Lord can certainly reimburse you if He chooses for anything that you've already put into it. But don't keep chasing the wrong thing just because you're already going down that path. And that's what Amaziah did. He he sent them home. Now, it didn't turn out very well because that army, they're so irritated because the hundred talents was kind of like the retainer fee. What they were really going to make the money on was on the spoils. They were going to fight, and they were going to get to be pillage and plunder. Well, they didn't get the pillage and plunder part, and so they decided on the way home that they would pillage and plunder some cities in Judah. Um, and Amaziah has other issues that won't be um, time for that this morning, but I want to look at, at one other spot this morning. This is Isaiah chapter 35. All right. well, we've been kind of doing a tour through the Old Testament this morning. That's okay. It's good for you. It's good for me. But we're going to camp here on Isaiah 35, the remainder of our time. 
however many hours that is. I'm going to read through it once, and then we're going to go back through and try to make a few comments. Isaiah chapter 35. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands, confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, and the inhabitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And an highway shall be there, and a, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men. Though fools shall not err therein, no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon, and it shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk therein, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Right, there's a lot of mental word pictures in this chapter. I'm going to try and break those out a little bit. Hopefully give a little bit more clarity to them. But I hope that by the end of this, you're rejoicing as much as I was the first time I read this this week. Your first scene in your head is I want you to picture place out in the woods, the wilderness, not even woods, a desert. No people. All alone. It's a solitary place. No food. There's no water. Imagine harsh wind, sand blowing, whatever. It says that place is going to become glad. There'll be joy. Glad for them. There's going to be Somebody there. It'll be more than some one somebody. It'll be a them. The desert shall rejoice. So this area in your head is going to be happy. It's going to rejoice. It shall blossom as a rose. You see the beauty of these fresh flowers and see the blossom of a rose. You don't think about that with a dry and dusty desert. But imagine that desert. You ever seen sometimes when the flowers of a desert just bloom and it doesn't last for very long, but it's just covered. As far as the eye can see. That's your, that's, that's your image. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice 
with joy and singing. Joy and singing. The glory, alright, we're going to get three different locations. And each of these is going to be describing the best of the best. Okay? The glory of Lebanon, Lebanon had the best woods. The cedars, they were world-renowned. That's what the temple was built out of, and it was the best. It be given... The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. This wilderness, this desert place, this place that nobody would have looked at, that was ugly, that had nothing, the glory of Lebanon is going to be there. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon. All right, There's uh, references to Mount Carmel. That's where Elijah is going to have the, the battle with the prophets. and doesn't go so well for the prophets. But also, if you just do a word search for Carmel, there's people who have their, their vineyards there. It's a wonderful, rich land. Okay? And then Sharon, Sharon is like a pasture land. You see that repeated over and over again about uh, flocks. That's where they feed in Sharon, in the valley, the pasture. Okay, So all the best of all these regions, the mountains, the woods, the valleys, the pastures, it's all going to go into this one place that before was so lonely and desolate. Okay, Strengthen thee. Now, what we're talking about here is really twofold. One is describing the world right before Christ enters. Okay? You've got this period of silence, there's no prophets. You've got just a place where Jesus comes in that's not looked for. I mean, John the Baptist started the ministry in the wilderness, and from there. The Lord is going to come, He's going to start His church, and it's going to grow and blossom in just an amazing way that never would have been expected. So that's one, one aspect as we look through it. That would be what Jesus did through that. But second is what Jesus did in you individually. When you're dead in trespasses and sins, you're the desert. You have no life. A dry and arid land, all alone, and yet, when He does come, and the Holy Spirit regenerates you and gives you life, then it's like this blossoming land. All the best has been given in you and dwells within you. The glory of Lebanon, the excellency of Carmel and Sherah, these wonderful, the best of the best of the best, has been put in you. There's blossoming, there's joy, there's singing, where you had no occasion for joy or singing beforehand. Now you do. And it gives a command. Strengthen ye the weak hands. Confirm the feeble knees. Strengthen means to fasten upon. The weak is that slack, that loose grip. Give them strength. Confirm the feeble knees. Confirm means to give courage. Give courage. And the feeble literally means tottering or wavering. One is about to fall. How do you do that? Say unto them that are of a fearful heart. Fearful heart means means liquid, like it's melted. And their heart's melted within them. Fearful heart, say, be strong. Be strong. Fear not. Why? Behold. Look. Know this. Your God will come. Your God will come with vengeance. Even God with recompense. He's going to repay he will repay his children for Christ's righteousness. And he will repay everyone else for their own wickedness. He's going to come. You need encouragement? Lord's coming. (laughs) 
Behold, your God will come. Not only that, He will come and save you. Deliver you. Set you free. When He came and He blossomed that desert within you, He set you free from being a slave to sin. And one day He'll come and set you free from this sin-cursed body. Behold, your God shall come. He will come and save you. Jesus came. And He did save. He came to save His people. And that's exactly what He accomplished. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame man shall leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. These were Jesus' miracles. When John the Baptist came and sent his disciples, he couldn't come, he was in jail. He sent his disciples and said, Are you the one? What did Jesus tell him? After he did all these miracles, he said, right, The blind can see, the lame can walk, the dumb can speak. Those that couldn't hear now can. Deaf hear. These are the miracles of Jesus' coming. So that's one. But looking at it again from you, it's you. You were deaf. You had no spiritual ears. You were blind. You were lame. You couldn't walk. You couldn't run. You couldn't speak spiritual things. And yet, by the power of God, putting His Holy Spirit within you, quickening you, you now can do all those things. You have eyes. You can see your God. You can hear His Word. You can speak His Word. And you can joy, jump with shouting with joy as you follow Him down His path, down His road. All right? For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in a desert. You know, imagine going back out to that desert and suddenly out of nowhere, out of the ground, comes this massive river. You know, Mississippi big, Colorado River big, huge river coming out of nowhere. Jesus will give you the drink out of waters that will never thirst again, the fountain of living waters. He's the living waters. All those imagery that in the New Testament it was given back in the Old Testament of pointing to that provision that only He can provide. If you're out in that desert, you're hanging out for more than 30 minutes, what is really going to be important to you? Well, if anybody's ever been out hiking and suddenly you're far from the car and you've run out of water, you never realized how much you care about water. We're all spoiled. We really have to think about that. But that is a very, very powerful illustration about the provision of our Lord. It's an everlasting fountain. You'll never thirst. You'll never lack from His supply. And the parched ground should become a pool and the thirsty land, springs of waters. you got three different illustrations there. Of what there was nothing, now there's abundance. And the habitations of dragons, um, now what kind of dragons these are, lizards or something, but there's an illustration used over and over again about that when a city is desolated, the only things that's going to live there are going to be owls and dragons. All right? Now things are so wiped out that nothing else is going to hang out there because it's just ruined. So that's a, a ruined place says, that place where it's so bad that only the lizards would be hanging out, there'll be grass and reeds and rushes. It's going to be well supplied. You've got to have a lot of water for those things to exist. Okay? 
The Lord makes you to lie down in green pastures. He built the pastures at a place where they weren't before. Verse 8 says, A highway shall be there. Highways are intentional roads. These are built, they're constructed above just the floodplain. You're not walking through the mire and the muck. A highway shall be there. A way, a path. And it should be called the way of holiness. This path is, in one sense, Jesus Himself. He would say that, right? John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I'm the way. He is the road. By His body and sacrifice, He made the road to the Father. That's the road that you and I are going to travel down. The way of holiness. The keeping the Lord's commandment that we can walk with Him. That's where we're going to traverse. Now this is a path that not everybody can get on. It says the unclean shall not even pass over it. Pass over just means cross the road. Why did the chicken cross the road? Right? Chicken's not going down the road. He's just going over to the other side. So the unclean's not even going to be able to cross over it. It shall be for these the wayfaring men. Wayfaring literally means, means walking. You and I are walking. We are pilgrim or pilgrims, sojourners, ones who are visiting this land. But we're on a journey. Our journey is on the road. And that's following Jesus. And so if you want to make progress in your life, go down the road Amen. to Jesus. The way, the highway, the way of holiness. It says, though fools shall not err thereon. And that err means to, to stagger drunkenly. The fools are the perverse. They're not going to be there on the way. The unclean shall not pass over. The fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there. Lions often used as a type for Satan himself. And like a ravening lion, he desires you. He can't get you. He cannot defeat you. He can discourage you from off the road. He can turn your eyes so that you're going to go off the road yourself. But he can't come up there and get you. He's a defeated foe. No ravening beast. That ravening means violent. That beast just means living thing. So there's no violent living thing that can harm you there on. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk therein. You know what redeemed mean? Redeemed mean you were bought back. That's what redeemed mean. You were bought back. So it describes you there as being redeemed, the holies, way of the holies, the wayfaring walker, the redeemed walk thereon, and the ransomed. The ransoms are those who have been severed from their bonds. They've been released. The image of this is you are a bunch of captives bound in sin and chains and you've been set free. And you who have been paid for, slaves, he's paid the price. Your chains have been removed. You are now walking home. Everything you see around you is not home. This is just along the path to get to your home where the one who purchased you resides. You've been set free to return home. And how are you returning? Come to Zion. Zion, it's, it's the mountain of God, right? It's, it points to, to heaven itself. How are you returning? 
with the mully grubs and the everlasting frustrations? Right? No. Complaining about the blisters on my feet and how the sun's too hot and just You've been set free. The real problem in your life has been solved. And so you're returning down the road, returning to your home with songs. An everlasting joy. Listen to where that is. Upon their heads. Ever wondered about what these crowns are that will be given? I think that's a pretty good definition of the crown that you wear right now. You've been made a king. What's your crown? You have a crown of everlasting joy upon your head. The ransom of the Lord shall return. Not may, not might, but they shall return and come to Zion. You'll make it. Along the way, come with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain. Obtain means to reach. Hold, possess. Joy. And gladness, joy, exceeding gladness, pleasure. Gladness means cheerfulness. Specifically, welcome. You'll obtain joy, gladness, and a warm welcome when you get to your destination. And not only are you getting these great things, there'll be some things that leave. Sorrow and sighing. Sorrow, that's all affliction. Every last bit of it. And sighing, that's your groaning, your mourning. It will flee. That flee means to vanish. It will vanish away. What is my hope for you this morning? Be strong. Be of good courage. We didn't serve the Lord like we needed to last year. He gave you another shot. You may not get the whole year. You got today. I'm so grateful for the brothers getting up and leading singing. They seem like not a big deal to you. But it is. That is a step of putting aside fear and just trepidation and being courageous in serving the Lord, of putting Him first. Same thing for public prayer. I was talking to um, Joel Reagan, my step-grandfather. He said he knows men who will avoid a church altogether if they think they might be called on for public prayer. That just broke my heart. Y'all, you can be strong! Fasten yourselves upon the Lord. Be of good courage. Be alert and focused upon Him. And all that other stuff. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be dismayed or discouraged. You can speak to folks about how great your God is and what He's done for you and how you were a dry desert. And now you're blossoming with more beauty than you can ever think or fathom. And all you want to do is brag about your God. You can do that. Be strong. You can teach. You can teach your children. You can teach your grandchildren or whoever else is in your life. You don't have all the knowledge. Okay. Share what you have and work on gaining more. Be strong. Be of good courage. 
Bible scares me. It intimidates me. I can't read the whole thing. You know how old I was before I read through the Bible the first time? It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I started 2017. That's the first time I read that year. From January to December is the first time I read through cover to cover. I've been in church my whole life. Present, if not active. Be strong. Be of good courage. Well, you know, I've got this sin in my life and I just can't leave it. Yes, you can! You're on the way of holiness, that road that was paved and built by Jesus Christ. He bought you and set you free from all sin. Every single one, there is a way of escape. You're not subject to it. Be strong. Be of good courage. Fasten yourselves to the Lord. Courage means alert, consciously. This is not just a haphazard thing. This is, this is a focus. What do you build your day around? Most of it, if you're working, you build your day around work, right? And then you plug in things after it. What if I challenge you to redesign your day by building it around God? Do your schedule for the day, but start with the areas where you know this is something I need to do to serve the Lord this day or every day. Have my time of personal prayer. Have my time of reading my Bible. Have my time of where I'm going to deliberately reach out to members in the church and try to encourage them. I'll do the things that I need to do as well, but when something has to get missed, it shouldn't be the things of the Lord. It's not low on the totem pole. It comes first. Thank you all for your time.